Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, I like to take this time to welcome our guests because to me, they are coming with several things that I personally deem very expensive. That is their time. Trisha, I thank you for coming with your time because I know that commodity is a priceless one and I do appreciate every minute and every second that you spend with us. The other is your journey. That houses pain, beauty, uh, triumphs, all of it. And you are here to trust us with this information. And it is my hope that I create a space by which you feel safe enough that you may share your journey. Thank you so much, Patricia, for coming to President Like Me. Thank you, Ken, for having me. I'm so excited and honored to be here with you. And yeah, excited to, to have this conversation with you. Excellent. I want you to tell the people what you have created because I've been teaching them and that they are creators. All of us that have hit this planet, we are creating the life that we live. And um, we, as creators, we come up with certain things like books, podcasts, we create, we give birth to these things that were residing in us. Talk to us about those things that you have given birth to. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I don't know. So this is this is so strange that um, the first thing that comes to my mind is. So I know that you didn't mean it literally, but the first thing that came to my mind was giving birth to two amazing kids, and this is yes. one of the most exciting things in my life because they, um, I think, they were part of the whole story that. Um, I experienced so far and mm -hmm. part of those changes that I made. So that's what came to my mind first. Mm -hmm. um, other, other than that, um, I developed um, ways and um, mixed um, existing tools and techniques to really get out of the head and into the inner wisdom, because I believe that we only can live in alignment. We only can um, live our full potential and we only can live in a fulfilled and prosperous way when we go within. And so for me, that was very hard because I am 
or I was this mind-driven, intelligent person that always relied on what the mind said. And there was this chatter. And so I developed creative, spiritual, energetic ways and tools and techniques um, to get people out of their heads. And first and foremost, I did it for myself, to be honest. Well, that's the perfect person to practice that stuff on because yes. as you fine-tune the um how it uh, it its effectiveness if you will you first see it in your life and uh your as you're walking through your journey you can make the adjustment and you can tune it a little um uh, make adjustments here and there as they um produce a desired outcome as you're moving through your your life and your journey uh, what we do here Patricia is that we go back i call it the lab um, we come from the hospital. I tell everyone that we are born from trauma. Everyone is traumatized. The birth itself is a traumatizing um, uh, occasion, but yet it's full of joy. And so we have this dichotomy in life where out of trauma comes joy. And that is the purpose for our journeys to bring us to that space of joy. But here you are in your family. Talk to us about your family life. How was that with your parents once you they brought you back from the hospital, if you wish, and began to nurture you? How was that like? Yeah. So really going back that far um, takes me into the situation that um, I need to talk about my mom, who was highly traumatized herself um, because she was given away as a baby in her first days. Um, because my grandma was not allowed to have her. So there were, um, severe stories around this and that made it very hard for my mom to be the mom that, um, so she focused very much on me in the first couple of months and maybe years. And, uh, it was so hard for her to really dive into this deep, love and deep uh, protection because she herself um, hasn't experienced it in her life. And so I guess this was um, her body switching off and um, not being able to connect with me that much on this deep level and support me in this deep way that at an early age, I guess I took on the role of being the adult the yeah. that um, takes control. Wow. Uh, how old were you when you began to do that? So I guess that was really early, and I would say um, I'd say three or four, but wow. not really obviously doing that because, on the other hand, my dad, um, whom I really love and who passed away eight years ago, um, he was this very strict, I'd say, patriarchal style person. And so mm -hmm. um, a mom, a traumatized mom on the one hand, and somehow oh. a traumatized dad on the other hand, because he always needed to be really strict and really yeah. um, hard. Um, so I, I guess it, it was not. So this, this really um, puzzles me now. When I talk to you, because um, now 
I did so much work around this, but yeah. now that you ask me, um, it even lets me dive into this situation again. Yeah, I think it is the place by which we are given birth, meaning yeah. that um, we as children, we will interpret a situation. And uh, sometimes it's, it's a benign situation, but sometimes it is something drastic. But we, based on our interpretation of that situation, it will then cause trauma in us. And that trauma once formed, we then began to look and form relationships based on that trauma and from that trauma. And so that is why I always begin the conversation there because we, as you state, both our parents are traumatized and they are uh, perceiving the world based on their trauma. And then they began to deposit into us and we then take on this thing and we kind of change it we change the, the the trauma to adapt to our world so that we can manage it because if we are not able to manage it then we would lose our mind but we are able to manage it when we're young but as we become adults those are the things that um are become as for lack of a better word become the things that begin to destroy us and we have to face so here you are this girl in the midst of an interesting lab, if you will, a family dynamic. And you made the statement that you um, began to be the adult and yeah, and your father was there and he was more of a demanding person, strict. How did that combination, Patricia, of those two began to create you, this little girl? What happened to her in that mix as she began to navigate through both worlds, her father and her mother? Wow, what a question, Ken. This is, <laughs> this is very deep. This is very deep. Thank you for the question. So I guess, and uh, no, I totally feel that this formed a girl and later a woman that always wanted to be in control, that mm -hmm. wanted to be one of the best, wanted to do things right, um, was afraid of making mistakes and um, feeling flawed if she didn't give the best, talking about mm -hmm. myself, yeah. being um, very demanding when it came to sports, when it came mm -hmm. to good grades at school. And um, being very adaptive at the same time. So always adapting to the needs of others, especially um, inside of the family. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how was your, how did it begin to formulate those things that you mentioned are uh, the uh, things that you can control your, um, as you stated, how did you begin to formulate your relationship with people, which is something you cannot control, but then you would have to navigate through it? How did you manage your relationship with others, um, classmates, stuff like that? Okay, so I was the one. Uh, so I always wanted to be someone that you now would call a leader because I thought I had those amazing ideas, but I mm. was too quiet. I was too holding back kind of person. 
mm-hmm. adapting too much, uh, not wanting to confront someone, always saying yes. So I yeah. guess one sentence that describes it all is I developed into someone who became a people pleaser um, to not lose friendships, um, no matter, no matter yeah. if they were abusive or not. See, I asked that question because I find that that is a thread with um, that combina- combination of parent um, that that people pleaser um, piece comes into play, and as a result of that, you become exposed as you move through life through some tremendous interesting relationships, if you will. So here you are, you're moving through, you are in, let's say, high school, and uh, you're moving through, you're doing well with the academic piece, and you're pleasing all those that are friends around you as you're moving through. You're now um, uh, this uh, teenager that is progressing through life. How did you, and what, how did you look at your future as to where am I going to navigate being in this intense situation? What were you thinking about those type of things, as you call those things, our dreams, our visions? What type of visions were beginning to form in your mind? Okay, so I always, always wanted to be of service. And um, I guess this was not in a healthy way that I dreamt of being of service, I thought about, I want to be a missionary. I want Mm -hmm. to be a Mother Teresa. I want to save kids. I want to um, be a revolutionary. And I want to turn the world upside down um, because there are so many issues around existing systems. I always wanted to be the rebel. And at the same time, I didn't show up as the rebel. So there was this, again, this um, inner conflict of wanting to be the rebel, wanting to be the free spirit, the revolutionary person, um, and then holding back and adapting and being shy and nice and not owning my truth. So I wanted to be a missionary. (laughs) So we see where that piece of the puzzle begins to formulate has to begin wanting or desiring to be a servant. So this young girl is moving through. She has these visions, these desires, and she is looking at graduation coming out of college, uh, coming out of high school. What, as you got to that stage and you're looking at college now, what were the things that were moving you for your next stage in your development as an individual? So... Um, as you were coming out of high school mm-hmm. um, and you're going into college, what um, what course of uh, um, profession that you did you choose and why mm-hmm. did you pick? Yeah. Okay. So now I got it. Um, so I had several ideas on my mind. And again, now that you ask me, I always wanted to go somewhere, be somewhere, but not at home. And first of all, I wanted to do something around traveling, travel agent, travel, something, travel. I don't know what with languages. And finally, I decided to take the safe route um, and pick languages as subjects to study, uh, but become a teacher so that I could 
be this little missionary and visionary as a teacher and save kids <laughs> and also have the opportunity to speak foreign languages because this is one of my big hobbies and uh, passions uh, to speak uh, foreign languages. Um, and so I combined the, the desire to be a free spirit with being able to speak languages and being this really safe and um, grounded teacher. That was a pretty, um, pretty insightful choice, I think, uh, because you're still getting to uh, deal with some of the conflict that you have. Um, not the total rebel, but you're mm -hmm. still in the state of dealing with serving, serving children. So that must brought you some type of satisfaction when you were there. Um, and how long did you stay in that arena with, um, as a teacher with, the ch with children? Yeah. So I picked middle school as a teacher because these were the socially challenging kids. And that's why I picked this. And mm -hmm. um, I stayed in this arena for over 17 years, but mm -hmm. not in the area of teaching um, kids all the time. So I, I taught uh, the 14 to 16-year-old kids. Um, I always, and again, I need, I need to smile because mm -hmm. I always wanted to bring some new elements into teaching and um, um, people didn't like that so much. <laughs> so my kids liked it and their parents liked it, but the system didn't like it. And yeah. I tried to bring in um, ancestral healing, systemic elements um, creative healing elements. And so I always did this part mm. of uh, me being a teacher. And then I applied for a leadership position as a teacher's trainer, uh, which was not easy to get. But finally, and this is again, the perfectionist in me, I got it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was so driven to change the system, the school system for the kids. Um, and I thought that as this teacher's trainer in this high position, I would be able to change the system, to set new impulses. Um, finally, I need to admit that this was not possible because I felt yeah. like this colorful bird amongst crows and I was, <laughs> I was not allowed to change a lot. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I think it's a beautiful metaphor. And you're absolutely right because the system that is designed is much older than you and I have ever been. And um, in the sense of naturally here on the planet, it's been in place for a long time. I believe that we're much older than um and that spiritually how uh, you mentioned in our conversation a little while ago that you were uh, talking about ancestral healing and all of those things um Trisha, when in your life did you begin to um investigate that aspect of the human being the human spirit um uh, on this uh walk of life when, how old were you when you began to become excited, um, when you began to investigate the spiritual side of your development? 
And Ken, I am so, so happy that you asked this because this brings me back to one of the first sentences that I said in the beginning. I mentioned mm -hmm. my kids and my kids are yeah. now 12 and 14. And I don't know why this happened, but right um, around this time when my first kid, my son, um, was born, I mm -hmm. started feeling... And I, I have to admit this here. I never felt anger in my life, but with the birth of my first son, I felt anger and I felt so guilty for feeling anger because I thought I don't have anger in my repertoire. Mm -hmm. And I started investigating on my emotions and I started um doing courses and apprenticeships besides um, me working as a teacher back then. Yeah. I started with systemic um, teachings and then ancestral healing courses. Um, and I guess I did it because I wanted to learn about my past, my connections to my ancestors. Why am I the way I am? Um, how can I get out of my head How can I embrace all my emotions and not judge anger as a bad emotion? Um, and um, yeah, I guess it was the birth of my kids that was like initiating my wish and my desire to dig deeper. And as you began to do that, Trisha, as you began to acquire the additional information from that side, how did it begin to affect? <laughs> I remember, I remember doing some family constellation things. And I remember that there was a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. Um, it even caused me mm, get into a state of, I'd say, partial depression. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't accept me being lazy i always wanted to be the doer and not the beer it it always mm -hmm. felt like that's that's not me and i was very hesitant in the first i'd say a couple of years but my my will to dig deeper and my curious nature um drove me to to gradually embrace more of that yeah. and yeah That helped me heal a lot of my uh, ancestral stories, understand my yeah. parents, understand my kids better, mm -hmm. and um, be a mom that I wanted to be for them. Yeah. And how did you, as you began to look at the dichotomy that is happening within yourself and this uh, person that is driven by the mind, and uh, you are now investigating parts about dealing with the heart. How did you begin to, um, the yin and yang that dwells in all of us, how did you begin to learn and what tools did you begin to utilize to make the shift from being more mind-controlled to walk into the space of your uh, giving credence to your heart to begin to lead uh, versus the mind? How was that transition and what tools did you utilize? Uh, this is, so excuse me, but again, you always make me smile because this is really like 
me going back in time and experiencing mm -hmm. so much more of my journey just by talking to you. And I, I have to smile because I see this pattern when I answer the question that you just asked. Um, what tools did I learn and what tools helped me to get out of my head? And this is something that might take me a couple of sentences or more <laughs> because I started with the family dynamics, the ancestral healing, and um, I took courses and I I guess it was over five years that I took different courses of ancestral healing and family constellation and um, like um, codes, how to solve codes or how to, to overcome issues in the family dynamics. And whenever I took a course, I came to this point where I didn't feel totally aligned with the tool or the technique And I was looking for something else. Then, I, um, and it always came to me, the next step, some creative tools like uh, soul art came to me and it helped me a lot. And then there was this point where I felt I needed more and it took me to, so sometimes I read a book and then it dawned on me that I need to go this way. Um, it led me to logosynthesis. I don't know if you know about logosynthesis, which is an amazing method, technique, an energy psychology tool to help you um, get rid of everything stored in your energetic system, in your body, in your mind, in your soul, um, only by the power of words. And yeah. then I studied this and I loved it. And um, there is no critique around this one, but I wanted more and I needed to learn more. And so I um, came to the next and the next and the next. And finally, I um, learned about human design and the gene keys, which took me to my um, energetic blueprint. I took nature courses. Um, free writing, an intuitive class that I'm still part of. Um, and so this is big, uh, <laughs> like a cauldron of techniques that I yeah learned, doubted, and um, took the best parts out of what I learned to create something new. And is that where you got your four S's, your four I's from, from that? Yes, journey? yes. And so... Um, as you then began to, as you said, this cauldron, you began to um, stir all of this knowledge that you're gaining from studying and reading and so forth. And as you began to personalize the knowledge that you have gained to fit into your spirit, how did you, how did you identify these four eyes? How did it become a reality to you versus the others that you left out of your recipe, if you will. Why and how did you pick these as your guide? So first of all, what comes to my mind, so integrity is something that um, I guess is on top of everything. I think when, so 
dealing with yourself and with others. And this is nothing that developed or that came to me. So I think this is something that needs to be on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, this is something like, like the headline of my work and of my way of living. I think you yeah. always have to, to be in integrity with what you do so that you can serve people from your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, intuition yep. is something that I need to say that I developed. And I always thought that intuition is some woo-woo stuff. <laughs> really? That's what it's I th- That internal compass, uh, Patricia, that's the, the that um, internal compass that the decision or the input comes from the spirit versus the mind. And we call it woo because we don't, uh, yeah. we haven't, you know, been ta- uh, taught it. It's something, as you said, we have to develop, but you have to have the uh, integrity with yourself in order to, to trust that and to be um, honest and, and truthful to it. So you're absolutely right. Integrity to self. Without it, I think everything else is fake to pending. Right, right. And so then um, the intuition part is something that now is what I, I'd say I lead with mm-hmm. because um, I guess we all have to turn inwards and yes. um, find the answers within. So that could be in building your business. That could be yes. in finding your health. That could be in finding the fulfilling relationship. No one outside of yourself can tell you what route to take, what next step to make. Um, it is all within. And this is what I, I so much stand for because, you know, I took all those cookie cutter courses because I transitioned from being this teacher's trainer to being an entrepreneur and I needed mm-hmm. to learn so much because I didn't know anything about being an entrepreneur. And so I spent a lot of money <laughs> in those cookie cutter, um, one size fits all courses that only made me feel more flawed, more, um, comparing myself with others. And I, I thought I'm, I'm never going to, to get this going. Because um, I, I tried to follow what they told me and I mm-hmm. wanted to implement the steps. And then those coaches, those business coaches said to me, then you didn't implement it in the right way. And this broke my heart. And I saw so many people out there, especially multi-passionate, creative, empathetic people that invested a lot of money in those courses and yeah. they they didn't um become successful in the end because mm. it was not there so i think intuition and looking um within is key to a joyful aligned and prosperous life i agree with you i think my heart yeah. goes out to many of those people because they have something to offer and the business side of it um because that's not their gift but I, I interviewed a, a several guys, and I'm putting something together where I can we can bring folks like that, people that are 
the spiritual aspect, they know their gift, but these guys are businessmen that are working with folks like yourself and I that are, um, that are understanding of us and, and will assist us to be able to bring it to a place by which it will sustain us. And I think that's a needed aspect within, uh, our, our, um, area of expertise. So talk to me as this woman is gaining all this knowledge, Patricia. She's reading, she's going to business to classes. That cauldron is getting bigger and bigger and you're just stirring this stuff up. So how did these began all of this stuff, this busyness of moving and living and gathering stuff? How did it start to, um, you mentioned that uh, you started looking at yourself and start, you were judgmental. Talk to me about here. How did you begin to release yourself from the judgment of yourself and walk now in a space where that's not a problem anymore? How did you manage the judgment of you and release yourself from that? So I just have to double check if I understood, <laughs> just, just understood the question, uh, correctly. Yes. So. The, the judgment from back then or the judgment from the early stages of being an entrepreneur? All of it. All of it. Judgment, period. As, judgment. Uh, because we, we, we judge ourselves, but I believe we have to come to a place. And again, it deals with the integrity. We have to come to a place by which where we are, um, we have, we can trust ourselves. We can be honorable with ourselves. And it is a journey to get there. To not allow yourself to judge yourself, as you said. How did you get to that space where it doesn't bother you anymore? <laughs> I love, I, I so much love your questions. And I need to start with an honest statement that I am not fully there because there are moments where I judge myself. This is an honest, vulnerable sharing. And, mm -hmm. um, but. The difference is that now I am so aware and so mindful whenever I judge myself, I can look at my whole life and everything um, beyond this life. I can look from a different perspective and I, I see it feels like a red thread and it feels like um, this is like a choreography in life. And I don't know if this sounds weird, but now with 47, I feel there is a certain choreography and um, I don't want to judge myself anymore because every <laughs> single step, it feels like a chain and another yeah. um, a part of a chain and another story and another story. And no matter if I succeeded or I didn't, no matter if I was ill or healthy, no matter if I was a perfect mom or just a mediocre mom, it all leads to the next step. And um, I feel as long as I am a person with integrity and I try to do my very best at this moment in time, because I didn't know better, there is mm -hmm. no need to judge myself because I always act from a place of deep love for others and finally for myself. And um, this is why I feel I don't want to judge myself anymore. Talk to me a little about that, Trisha. How was it? How was it to 
learn about you in the sense where you learn to love you. Talk to me about that journey there. When, how did you, um, because it is a difficult journey. I had to do it myself. I remember it took me a long time. I, I took myself on dates. I actually stopped dating um, for a year. I didn't interact with anyone. I took that time and um, just invested in me, um, eating the best food, my favorite places. I took, I went to the movies. I went to all the things that I wanted to do. I did. And I would have conversation with myself. I am proud of you. I see you're working on this. How is that going? Um, I would take the time to have that conversation with myself. And I came from a place of guilt. And I remember having the conversation when guilt and I parted ways and how we separated. And talk to me about those type of conversations that you had with yourself and how did you pass through that, um, that aspect, that area of your growth as an individual? Yeah. So with the aspect or the area of loving myself, I think this is something that came gradually and it started with the outside, just the way um, you love the body that you have. I had a hard time loving the body that I have because at a very young age, people would uh, pick on me because I was too tall or I had those freckles and uh, I didn't have this Barbie um, nose or something like that. And so this was um, a gradual movement to accepting the outside. And um, also, as you said, having the food or the trip or whatever, for me, it is saying no to people, not mm -hmm. pleasing people anymore when I have this clear no inside myself. And this is a, a, a very big awareness of my body reactions. I think my body is the biggest part in the self-love process yeah. because I get intensive emotions, hits in my body when I'm out of alignment. Mm -hmm. So now I take breaks and I am okay with being lazy at the weekend. Now I can say no if I don't want to participate in something. And I stay away from people that um, suck my energy, that make me feel small. Um, and I accept me being this mix of someone who wants to be out of the box, extremely out of the box, free-spirited, and at the same time has this grounded feeling, this conservative, practical feeling inside herself. So I love this mix because this is me. And yeah. I did journaling. I painted on this um, and I did soul art paintings. I did a lot of logo synthesis on self-love, um, mm -hmm. just to mention a couple of tools that I used. It is important, as we started the conversation, it is uh, one of the most important, I think it is one of the most important journey that we must embark on because as you began to learn and love yourself, I believe it is from that place that you can now love deeper. 
I can love, I can make a, um, it, it is, it's, it is a deeper love. I, I, once you've learned to love yourself, I love my kids deeper. I love my friends even deeper. I love deeper. And until I went to that journey, I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And I think a lot of people, how can you love me if you don't love you? Right. And so there is time I think we need to be, have that conversation to let people know that when they say, I love you, I ask them, do you love you? If you do, then you understand what you're saying. But until then, I don't think they are. But that's just another pet peeve of mine. But um, as you begin to move, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I, I just had this other thought. It is also being uh, mindful and aware of the wording that you use in everyday language. And yes. uh, as I listened to you or while I listened to you, um, I thought about this fact that I changed this because how often do you say, oh, am I stupid? What did yes. I do? I stopped this and yes. um, I feel that I am such a great example for my kids because they yes. don't do that. And um, I think being really aware of what you say is starting loving yourself. And I had a very wise 81-year-old naturopath lady tell me, be aware of what you say because your cells listen. They hear everything. And I love this sentence so much. And I think this is active self-love and health care. Yes, I absolutely 100% agree with you. Um, I had some insight as I was going through my journey. And one of them, I took my kids to do an exercise to show them the power of the word, spoken word. Immediately, there's things that affects us at a cellular level. And if we continue to, um, to say those words, I mean, we have, uh, um, scientists that I uh, can't even remember the gentleman's name that did, uh, with the water, with, uh, words putting, yeah. uh, that showed that molecules changing based on that. The exercise that I had was my eldest and my youngest son facing each other. I had my youngest son, uh, uh, I had my eldest son actually put his hand out. And I wanted him to say that, uh, he's, he's weak. He's, he's all of these different th negative, um, uh, uh, language. And I told his little brother, push his hand down. And I told his brother, his elder brother, Jonathan, do not move. Don't let him push your hand down, but keep saying those negative things. And as he would repeat it, his little brother would just rest his hand on it. And Jonathan could not, could not hold his hand up. And so I had his younger brother said to him, you know, said the opposite. I am strong. I am powerful. And I told Jonathan, his elder brother, try to move your little brother's hand. And he could not. And I used that example to show them the, the effects of your words immediately and what it does to you. And so it is very mindful of how you speak to yourself because you will believe yourself. You believe this is where you have folks that have, um, Low self-esteem is because they believe what someone else has spoken on them until they go to that journey and investigate and see the greatness that is them. Uh, so here you are, Patricia. Now, how did you begin to, uh, and I could see from my vantage point, I could see the natural progression, but how did you come about with the thought 
of writing a book. How, how was that? How did that come about and, and what happened? Okay. So I always wanted to write a book and um, I have been telling this for such a long time to my friends and to people. And um, I don't know, I always procrastinated and I started, mm -hmm. I have a thousands, thousands and thousands of, of journals where I started writing and I have Uh, documents, uh, word documents where I started writing and then I stopped. And then, and I guess this was like a, a synchronistic, um, experience or a, I, I don't know how this happened. Um, I have a big network of people and yeah. there is this lady and she lives in Australia and she guides, um, people through a process of writing a book and, um, She posted about this opportunity to be part of um, a multi-author book. And uh, I reached out to her and then she said, oh, we are done. Um, you can't participate anymore. And then finally it turned out that someone jumped off and she mm -hmm. asked me to be part of this um, project. And I felt so aligned with the topic because it is corporate dropouts. And I, st I stopped working as a teacher and started working yeah. as an entrepreneur. Um, and my focus always uh, was on not on how to break free from your soul-sucking job. It was on sharing my experience, my body wisdom. My body told me to um, be in alignment again. And I wanted to share this because I guess there are lots and lots of people out there who want and need to hear a vulnerable story um, about someone who is not aligned and maybe they are not aligned with their job. Maybe they are not aligned with their relationship or whatever. And I don't want them to go that long and winding road. And that's why I thought I want to share my story and yeah. it could be so much easier. And with guidance, it could be so much easier to avoid uh, breakdowns and setbacks. That was my motivation to participate in this multi-author book project. <laughs> I love how when it's time, uh, Patricia, how things come together and um, it comes together very seamlessly. and. Um, We always say by happenstance, it just happened, but it has been orchestrated for a long time because you were ready. You were internally ready. You had the, um, the knowledge. You have gained it from your cauldron, as you said, of, um, that you're a mix. And so the preparation of you, um, and it had to go through all of those mixing because I believe that All of the, um, the wisdom, all of the principles are there and they're all the same. But yeah. I believe everyone goes through it to bring their flavor, their personality, their insight within all of that. And so this thing will always grow bigger and bigger because everyone is bringing a little different twist to it and it gives you and I a better um, perception of it. And when we look at this tapestry that is being created, we go, wow, 
you read that in books and so forth as you gain the other side. Guys, everyone has been listening to this conversation with Patricia. I've been having a ball. Um, here is a woman that has been through much. She has stirred her, her, her cauldron of uh, things that she put together. And she took out some good things out of it, some insights, some, some, some wisdom, policies and procedures for people like me that are training corporate America. She came up with a manual that, um, it is her with her insight that you, because of her heart, she has cooked this dish and it is ready for you to partake. And I encourage every one of you that are listening to this conversation to get in her space, purchase her books, give it folks that are in that um, <laughs> uh, spirit-sucking job. <laughs> As she has stated that she didn't say, but we know what she's talking about because a lot of us were there. I know COVID came and a lot of us left. But some of you may have left and you're still trying to find your way. Get in touch with her. Get into her books and they will guide you. She's also a counselor. She's a coach. She's all of these things that is necessary for you to have a partner to walk with you in this newness of life that you have chosen. And Patricia has all of those things. And she has herself. And she's made herself available to you to serve you in any way and every way possible. And so I want you guys to get in touch with her and get into her space. So you got into this group of people and you began to put this book together, Patricia. Talk to me as to the challenges of that, because I know there's challenges of that. It doesn't always work nice and easy. Um, and you still have some growth to do within those aspects. You got to learn to let go. You got to learn to stop being a perfectionist as you are. So how did you learn to let go when you finish your project, Patricia, and you're standing there and you, you're thinking, I, I still could fix this and, and you, you, you got, you got to let it go. How did you do that? Letting go, <laughs> letting go, <laughs> letting go. So whenever I, so I have two, two things that I do when I need to let go. And so one thing, and I mentioned it already, is logosynthesis, the power of words to let go. This is uh, really um, going to the root cause or to the issue that is blocking you. And then with the power of words, really easily and sustainably and rapidly letting go of an issue. So this is what I really love. But I love doing this with someone who guides me through the process rather than me doing it for myself. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do with my clients. But I, I always prefer someone who works with me. And if there is no one, and I just share this quick story about letting go. A um, couple of weeks ago, I was on a plane and uh, I need to share that I am so anxious and full of fear when it comes to flying, or should I better say I was, <laughs> because I meditated. I meditated on the plane, and I tapped into my body again, and I felt the density, and I felt the muscles that were so tight, and I felt my jaw clenching, 
And I felt everything inside my body. And then I asked myself, does this bring or make any change to the way the pilot flies the plane? Why do I do this to myself? How could I let go of this anxiety? And just by looking at myself and going inside of my body and connecting with each and every part of my body and then going into my mind and asking myself, what am I thinking? What are the horror scenarios? And does this bring any change? Um, why am I um, doing this to myself? Why am I suffering so much? And this helps just in this meditative state. Um, it is nonsense to torment your body with clenching and um, um, being really dense. And so I could let go of this because it, it, it was just a scenario, a future fantasy that was not real. So I tried to be in the moment and I could let go. And there was no more density on the flight back. <laughs> that is awesome. That is um, absolutely beautiful because um, fear can cause this much pain. And I imagine people living in fear every day what it does to their bodies without them knowing and, and stress, as they say. Um, it turns internally, it manifests in, um, with all kinds of diseases, arthritis, you name, you know, all the different things. And that is when, how we punish, how we take our, not even punish, how we cause ourselves to turn on us because yeah. we have allowed fear to come in and all of these other um, less than thoughts to cause us to behave certainly or to program ourselves. And it is your example of how one releases themselves from that programming perfectly laid out. It is a internal meditation that one goes and begin to ask those questions. And as you begin to answer them, then you begin to release yourself from your cage that you have placed around you that started from a thought. And I tell people, thought is the entrance. That is the first line of defense. Learn how to defend it. Learn how to use it to bring your desired outcome. I am talking to a spiritual career alchemist. I am talking to a creative instigator, an empath, an intuitive healer, empowering mentor on our journey from seeker to finder. This is Trisha, and she is the founder of Pump from within. She is your guide, folks. Get in touch with her, purchase her books, get in her space and learn. Trisha, thank you so much for coming with Rise of Enlightenment. This has been really, really good stuff. Thank you so much for having me, Ken. It was an amazing conversation and you really got me to some very deep, deep points and stories of my life and I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone who's listening, to this podcast. We hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you. But always remember, 
to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.